top of the day to you. This is Milton Shepard with Living With Bipolar. Well, me too. Let's talk about it. I'm your host and your guide and link between mental disorders and mental health. I call them mental disorders because they relate more to a disorder as opposed to an illness because when you get an illness over a certain period of time it is eradicated whereas with a mental illness unfortunately you are locked in for life now one of the things that we're going to talk about today are some of the triggers that uh, causes a person to go off if you will there are very many, many, many of them, so I'm just going to name a few of the most important ones, I think. Uh, number one, anxiety. Uh, anxiety is something that has a tendency to drop a, a tarp over your head, so to speak, as if you don't know where you're at, uh, which way to feel in life. Uh, your way out. It gets to be a saddening situation at times. Almost impossible to maintain your average personality and daily lifestyle. Uh, Another one is being rejected. If you have someone who is uh, supposed to be close to you, a family member, a relationship, uh, etc., and you find uh, a, a hint of unfaithfulness there or disregard for yourself, that is a trigger that will send you off probably quicker than anything. The triggers that uh, causes you to change from one person basically to another are very, very serious when it comes to living with bipolar. Because it goes with the territory of the diagnosis. And unfortunately, there's not that many people who know that. And when a flare-up comes, it's automatically attributed to a bad attitude to the person who's doing it. Another is refusal to accept the presence of another human being from someone that you come in contact with. Your routine has always been to acknowledge someone, no matter whether it's a nod of the head, a smile, or even so much as a shaking of the hands uh, to people that you don't even know. I have found in my experience it's amazing how people who have a hard-driven look on their face, once you acknowledge them, it's almost like a 180. They open up, they respond, how are you? That's uh, ordinary. Uh, Ordinarily, that's not something that happens uh, every day or every time you come in contact with someone. For some people, they're able to let it just fly out the window. It was something that just happened. Uh, And others, it could be the point, something so simple, 
could be the point of breaking down. This is just how serious bipolar disorder can be. And unfortunately, there are way too many people who have it and don't realize they do. But yet, they are acting out and dealing with all of the symptoms, uh, side effects, uh, and uh, problems that go along with it. Yet, because of the fact that they're not aware of what they have, it becomes a nightmare trying to deal with it. You can't put your finger on it, but it's here. Why is it here? Why is it doing this to me? These are some things that most people with bipolar disorder have questions for. But yet, they really don't know who to ask those questions uh, to. Uh, They go to the doctor. What about my anxiety doctor? I'm feeling to the point to where I am starting to get what I call the I don't want us. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to see anybody. And then the bed becomes your haven for an extended period of time until you feel like you can put your foot on the floor, stand up, walk away from it, and possibly go to the kitchen and get a drink of water, and you're right back in bed in the fetal position, which is the most normal position to be in if you're suffering from anxiety or any other of the symptoms of bipolar that uh, cause a negative uh, point in your rating point in your life. I feel exceptionally sad for those who have not had the opportunity for whatever reason, to learn about their mental illness, particularly has how it pertains to them. Not only that, but to seek professional help, a therapist would be a good start. That way, you would probably have an idea of what you're up against. In fact, you do have a mental illness. And more often than not, a therapist can give you a referral to a good psychiatrist. Now, once you have established a medical routine with a mental health professional, it is just the beginning for you to start changing those symptoms, how they react to you, how you react to them, in order to make your life as smooth and worry-free as possible. Now, sometimes that is impossible. I have what I call my bag of tricks. And what that is, it's all of the things that I have gone through during the last 35 years of my diagnosis to try to ease certain symptoms uh, that come along. And... Believe it or not, they do work. The only part is they don't work forever. So the more you can learn about yourself and why you do what you do or get some kind of an idea, the better off you will be 
in controlling the outbreaks of bipolar that cause you to act out. It will help you maintain a stable lifestyle to the point to where if a situation does come up, you're confronted with the idea that something is wrong with you. That is kind of a sad, sad situation. Simply because it's coming from someone who has not a clue as to who you are. They have no idea what you're going through. They, <laughs> the thought of help is the last thing on their mind. In other words, they would rather sit back, watch you suffer, and use that as a source of entertainment for them. I hate to say that, but that is just how humanity has become. Even though a bipolar disorder and every other diagnosed mental illness or disorder uh, has basically their own set of rules uh, when it comes to side effects, um, the uh, apprehension of, of the world around them. So you really cannot put blame on anyone for anything when it comes to a mental disorder. I say that simply because in my research, I have found as close as I possibly can the fact that we are born with with a mental illness or a mental disorder. It's just that the just like anything else. It's in an incubation period, and once that is exposed, it becomes a part of your life. Where did I get this? You might say. Well, again, there it is、uh, part of what I consider to be standard factory equipment. Standard factory equipment being your two arms, two legs, two eyes, a nose, and two feet. Every human being walking the planet today have those items, whether they're intact or not. They were born with those items. Say, for instance, let's use an example with bipolar and a person who has a prosthesis resulting from a broken leg. Well, that person can get around. Can go to the kitchen and cook. They can possibly make up their bed. There are handicap showers that will allow them to safely take a shower without the possibility of them falling. Well, that shows you one thing in my example. Even though this person is handicapped. And can get around. If it was not for the fact that they had to have a limb eradicated from them, they would be able to get around much, much better, and have the feeling 
back to them as being a true human being. I just happen to know for a fact that people who are originally put on any type of a brace, uh, a artificial leg, artificial arm, they are all still living, and they're living their lives. It may be, it may be not to what they expected, but the fact remains they are still living. So back to bipolar. If you find yourself at a point to where you feel as though life has nothing in it left for you, that is the time to do a 180 with that attitude. Definitely seek professional help. Be extremely concerned about it, especially as how it pertains to you. I say that many, many times because if you know it and you have an idea of what's going on when by an episode of bipolar happens, and through the things that you've learned from your bi- episodes of bipolar during the past, you find yourself a little more able to handle them as they come. Maybe not 100%, but certainly to the point that would get you off the bed and do what is called a day in life. One that hopefully you will be able to enjoy so that bipolar or whatever your diagnosis is will not be the one to take you down. I hope this helped anyone who has a mental illness of diet uh, or rather a diagnosis of bipolar. I speak in those terms simply because I myself am diagnosed with bipolar 1 schizoaffective. So therefore that has been the catalyst and uh, the most dominant areas of my learning uh, about a mental illness. But here is the clincher. If one person can do it, then everyone else can do it as well. Living with bipolar? Well, let's talk all about it. I am so glad to be able to talk to you today and share part of the 35 years plus diagnosis I've had with bipolar so that maybe it will trigger someone to either seek a therapist, seek a professional psychiatrist, possibly even psychotropic medication that will help you stabilize to the point to where you can make the grasp and 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 resolve changes in your life without difficulty and without uh, a, a sad ending so if this is your problem right now you feel as though you have bipolar disorder or you know that you do but for some reason you have 
neglected approaching anyone to help you. And let me tell you, sometimes that is totally understandable. Because in this day and age, as far as mental health has come along, there is still a very, very high percentage of humanity who has a negative content when it comes to mental illness. So we'll talk about it again next time. In the meantime, everybody take care. Everybody take care. This is Milton Shepard, signing off. Let's talk all about it. I'm Milton Shepard, your host. I'll be your guide through mental disorders, mental illness, and the situations that go along with them. One of the things that have brought my attention very, very recently is the fact that there are an awful lot of homeless people in the city and they gather in cliques. There are certain places where they tend to gather and make camps and consider themselves homeless communities. One thing that I have found more often than not is that it gets to a point to where I have noticed people not able to do anything but sit and wonder and wish that something would be different in their life. There are also people who take it for granted that they are homeless and they make it a lifestyle, if you will, by panhandling, trying to get the point across to people that they are homeless and to try to make them realize that anything you could possibly help me with would be greatly appreciated. Well, again, We come back to humanity, and unfortunately, I hate to go this far, and I hate to mention this, but it is a definite fact that during the time of COVID-19, humanity as we know it became an entirely different situation. There was separation of uh, people between... uh, what's called social separation. How do you create social separation when you're separating people from each other? Now, granted, this 
epidemic when it first evolved. And believe me, this is not the first time this has happened. To give you an idea, there was a situation that is very similar, as a matter of fact, identical to the one that we had when COVID-19 became a situation of detriment in our lifetimes. It was in a Indian reservation where it started out with a young man who had the same symptoms that you have today with COVID-19, hardness of breath, difficulty uh, breathing, uh, chest pains, uh, all kinds of uh, symptoms that relate to the COVID-19 that we know today. Unfortunately, he did pass away. Shortly thereafter, his wife took up on the same symptoms, which exaggerated to the point that caused her death. And last but not least, their first young child succumbed to the effects of COVID-19 as well. Now, one of the things that you may or may not find a similarity in this is because at during the time it happened was in 9-11, which took up all of the possibility, or I should say publicity, from anything else that was happening on this planet at that time, and it was being totally and absolutely ignored. However, when it did make its way toward the United States or the general area of the United States where it became redundant, when I say redundant, it was one person after the other, one person after the other, not one a week, not one a month, it was almost literally during the day, and there was no no idea what was going on, so therefore there was a very, very thin leverance of care. The only thing they could realize through tests that it was causing a respiratory problem, a serious respiratory problem, which ended up more often than not in death or causing other complications that also cause a person to be deceased. Now, one thing that I have learned during my lifetime as a mental health recovery support specialist, there are many, many classes and many things that you have to learn in order to be a successful one. One of the courses that I took was a a form of how diseases, if you will, form. You have basic two forms of uh, disease inoculation, if you will. One is airborne, being an airborne pathogen. The other is bloodborne. 
known as a bloodborne pathogen. The one obviously that is the most serious is being the airborne pathogen because everyone, no matter where you are, takes a breath of air within a minimal period of time every day, all day, for the entire duration of their life. And depending on what is in the air at the time and the intensity will depend on how much you ingest into your body and how the affection takes place. One thing I did find out in my research is that there is a beginning to the COVID-19 virus and that is something as simple, if you will, as an unnecessary, undue cough. No phlegm, no purpose for it. You don't have a cold, you don't have a fever, but there is a cough, an uncontrollable cough, still the same. My understanding, and in my research, is that that is the very beginning of a COVID-19 breakout. It lasts for a great period of time in your coughing area, whether that be part of your lungs, simply in your throat, until it gets to the point to where it tends to slip into the lungs for some reason. Once that happens, you can pretty much call it a, a, a day. Now, I myself feel extremely blessed and extremely lucky, even though I had my COVID-19 vaccinations. The vaccinations were done after the COVID-19 virus was taken into effect. So, what that lets me know is one of two things. Either I was not in the area where the concentration of COVID-19 in the airborne situation was nowhere near me. However, I do remember at one point I did get in a cough and it was surprising to me, very, very surprising to me. I didn't know what to take. I thought maybe I'm coming down with a cold. So the first thing you do is you take cold medication, cough drops, something to keep you from doing that. Well, all I can say is it only got to that point. Whether the medication that I took to reduce the coughing helped is totally beyond me. I simply know for the grace of God, it went away. And because of the fact that I thought it was something so serious in life, I did take my COVID vaccinations and I also did a follow-up. It's now the latter part of 2022. You don't hear as much as COVID-19 viruses You don't have as many people in the hospital today as you did before. And believe me, it got to one point to where the hospitals were so occupied with people with symptoms of COVID-19 
that they had to uh, establish outside facilities in the form of air-conditioned trailers so that they could go in and either do one of two things. That was a place to house those who had unfortunately passed away from COVID-19, or it was an auxiliary to helping people with COVID-19. Now, you might say, why are you talking so much about COVID-19? First of all, this is a podcast dealing with bipolar disorder. And anytime you have a situation like COVID-19 and you have a bipolar disorder, it can be very, no, it can be extremely confusing in your life as to what to do What is it all about? Is it going to happen to me? What can I do to prevent it? These are a lot of things that go on in life on a daily basis that unfortunately we are not made aware of. I personally have a habit of constantly researching everything I hear to... I get it to a point to where I can understand it in my mind to the point to where if something goes along, I will be aware of the differentiation between the good and the bad. Now, this is not something I'm telling everyone who has a mental disorder to pursue, but it certainly is something that you should be aware of keep a track of, and if nothing else, protect yourself. There was an institution, and I say institution, it was definitely institutionalized and almost mandatory that everyone wore a face mask, particularly in public, along with the so-called separation of social beings. Who decided to pick that scenario is totally surprising to me because it negates two things. It negates social and it also negates separation. There's one thing you can do especially because of the fact that it scared so many people during the epidemic, you could do several things besides standing apart from a certain length of uh, space between each other. You could actually be even farther from that person, let them in a grocery store, for one thing, seemed to be the most uh, apprehensive when it came to uh, separation. Uh, I want to call it anxiety. Because when you're used to doing something, and all of a sudden, for what seems to be no reason at all, your whole general lifestyle becomes to a different meaning, something other than what you're used to, it becomes difficult to become acclimated to that. Well, 
I have to say, here we are in the latter part of 2022, only for this epidemic to start in the earlier years of 1921, of 2021 and 2022. And what that has done has caused everyone to relax in their preparation. You no longer see as many people wearing masks to protect a virus from entering their body or passing a virus, if you have it, on to someone else. This is something that is almost but not quite similar to bipolar for the fact that it is something that you cannot spread to another person through the form of breathing or being close in a social situation. But what it can do is it can cause you, a person without, say, an incident or a diagnosis of bipolar or anything near it, to take another person who has a diagnosis of bipolar And when you interact with them, that can cause confusion in your life. Confusion to the life of the person with the bipolar and confusion to the life with the person without. That is probably one of the worst things that can happen when it comes to making progress in humanity. I hate to say this, I really do, because it breaks my heart to see what actually went on during the COVID-19 epidemic. I hope that nothing like this ever comes in our life again. If it does, I pray that the, the powers that be will be thoroughly and totally equipped to handle the situation. Now, as far as bipolar disorder, can you imagine with it being as difficult as it can be with your thought patterns, the way you're feeling, the way you analyze things, it can be done very, very seriously and in a very serious negative way unless this is presented to the people all of the people in plenty of time to make preparations in order to protect themselves I want to thank you for listening today this is something that was on my mind and I simply could not let it go so Even though we didn't talk that much about bipolar disorder during this episode, we did speak of something that was very, very serious and something that every human being should take under consideration, no matter whether you feel like you have a virus, no matter whether you feel like the virus is over and you have taken or relieved yourself of every precaution of it, 
that's not the greatest thing to do. Because as it came about all of a sudden, it can do that again. And more often than not, when something comes along as serious as the COVID-19 virus, and it takes, if you will, a hiatus of sorts, it has a tendency to build momentum, uh, momentum rather, to come back even stronger. I want to thank you guys for listening to this podcast, even though it had very little to do with living with bipolar. Well, we're going to talk all about it, no matter what it is. Bipolar, life in general, that's what we are here for. And I appreciate you listening to me. In the meantime, everyone take care. Always take care. This is Milton Shepard with Living with Bipolar. Well, let's talk about it. I'm checking out. Peace out to everyone. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to Living with Bipolar. Well, let's talk all about it. I'm Milton Shepard. I have a diagnosis of Bipolar 1 and also a recovery support person. I'm sharing 35-plus years of a diagnosis with that uh, mental disorder, and hopefully there's something that will help someone who's going through the same thing with their situation. As we're looking upon the holidays now, there is a different type of depressive disorder called SAD, which stands for Seasonal Affective Disorder. Now, this usually happens generally around the change of fall into winter when it gets cold and gray and dreary outside. And as if you don't have enough difficulties in life dealing with bipolar as it is, of course, this is going to exaggerate all of your symptoms and your episodes, which is mainly going to be depression during this period. Now, some of the symptoms of SAD or seasonal affective disorder, of course, is fatigue. You seem to be more tired than normal, which keeps you from doing things that you enjoy, such as exercising or visiting friends and family, etc. Also, it can keep you from doing your job, going to work, or feeling like you can be proficient in what it is that you do. These are some of the things that uh, effective, a seasonal defective disorder can cause whenever you're going through this period, when it comes to getting some type of relief, there can be many different ways, depending on you and how you're feeling, the intensity, because it is individually act upon. There are many, many things that go on during this period that you should look for and hopefully avoid. One is, of course, 
feeling unnecessarily guilty about something that you're not guilty of. There's the feeling of hopelessness or helplessness that also can be included. And also a desire to want to just get in bed, cover up, get in the fetal position and wait until life goes by. That's very, very sad. I've gone through that uh, period of seasonal affective disorder many, many times, almost yearly, you can depend upon it. And it is something I have to admit, as well as having a depressive episode with your bipolar disorder and having seasonal affective disorder added to it. It is, and you should expect a difficult time during this period. Now, the main thing to do is try to stay active, try to communicate with your friends and your family, exercise is a good thing that usually helps. Try to get a exercise routine on a daily basis set up, something that you're doing to help your body because it does affect your health, something to help your body be more healthy, which in the process, as it goes along, will eventually help you through some of the bad or negatives that you're going through during the period of sad. Now, usually, sometimes you can go through this for as long as the season of winter lasts. That's the bad part, because that's an awful long time to have to go through something that is an additional negative to the inevitable difficulties that you're already going through. So I guess what I'm trying to say is just be cognizant of what is happening to you and work accordingly. You have your personality that you have to deal with, which is for all intents purposes, has a separation from your effects of your depressive episodes. You have to be able to distinguish between, is it me or is it my bipolar depression? I want to uh, thank everybody for listening. I like to keep these podcasts short so that you will be able to listen to the entire podcast and hopefully get something useful out of it that will help you. In the meantime, have as pleasant a holiday season as you can. That includes, of course, Thanksgiving. And then we have Christmas coming up very, very shortly. And after that, the initiation of a brand new year. Bring that year in as positive as you possibly can. And that will contribute to some of the aid, some of the help, some of the relief that you will get from the effects that you are and can expect 
while going through seasonal depression. In the meantime, everybody take care. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Living with bipolar? Well, let's talk about it. And that's exactly what we'll do. See you then. Bye-bye. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to my podcast, Living with Bipolar. Well, let's talk about it. I'm Milton Shepard. I have a diagnosis of bipolar 1, and I'm sharing 35-plus years of dealing with that diagnosis for anyone who will listen and hopefully get something that will help them out of what I am trying to help you with. Right now, I am in a very severe mode of depression and anxiety and seasonal affective disorder combo big time and it is driving me absolutely crazy. I know that I can't be the only one who has gone or is going through something like that and it is so difficult to deal with because you feel scattered, you're overthinking about this, you're 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 denying yourself of that. What is going on? You what is the catalyst of your thoughts? Are you listening to someone's voice? Someone outside yourself? Or is it you that's saying, I'm not worth anything. I can't get anything done. I'm helpless. No, it's not you. It's a real situation that goes on with this diagnosis. And that's one of the unfortunate things that I dislike about it. Uh, of course, I hate it, period. But it's one of the things that I hate the most because it's the first suggestion of a problem that I had when I embarked upon this. And it's really, really, um, I don't know, maybe it's not all that strange, but it was interesting how I found out. I went to a clinic for hypnosis about 35 years ago when it was popular to go to hypnosis for this and hypnosis for that, I went to quit smoking because at the time my employer had offered me a substantial increase in salary if I would quit smoking simply because the man cared enough about me. He said, I want to, I want to keep you around. And I thought, my God, uh, of course it's difficult if you're a smoker, you know, you just don't do that overnight and you don't do it at the drop of a hat. So even going through the, uh, uh, all the little bag of tricks that I thought I could do, you know, and maybe sneak around and still smoke. No, your conscience gets to you when you start doing stuff like that. You got to stay on top of it, stay above board, and that depends on a lot of things. You, your surroundings, the people you deal with, the people you don't deal with. Everything makes a difference when you're going through these problems with the mental disorder. Now, again, let's get back to the story. I went to this clinic didn't really believe in hypnosis, but I thought, you know, this has become too important to me and I have to do something. I definitely went under. I could tell that when I came back to life, so to speak, and my attitude, my demeanor, my thought patterns, the way I felt, I definitely went over. Now, what they did 
as a support mechanism, basically, was they would give you a free copy of a episode of hypnosis. Not necessarily the one you were in, but an episode nevertheless, so that maybe there would be something there if you had any questions or any problems arose that you would have that to fall back upon. Well, that's exactly what happened. The next morning after I had went to the hypnosis session, I woke up wishing I had never heard of a cigarette, never seen a cigarette. I wish there was nothing even called a cigarette or anything that you smoked. I started crying my eyes out. I couldn't believe it. I hated myself. I hated everything. I listened to the session tape, and I couldn't find anything in it that made me feel the way I did. It just so happened that they had a uh, retired psychiatrist on board, and I called them immediately and told them what's going on, made an appointment. We sat there and talked. He came up with the idea that I'm suffering through anxiety and prescribed a medication for me, which did absolutely nothing. And speaking of medications, just to get off the track just a bit, don't depend on medications to cure you. Because I guarantee you, I'm here to tell you they will not. I've been on practically every every uh, uh, psychotropic medication that there is today. And it, I know which ones work and which ones don't for me. Now, with you, it might be a totally different story. But for me, I know which ones work. And uh, that's something that's very important because why take something, why spend the time Invest in, in, in something that is not going to work for you. It's just no good. It does you absolutely no good, more harm than. And uh, you need to stay away from that. And, and that can involve a lot of things. The, the uh, oh, if you're going to professional help or a therapist and you're being prescribed medications, investigate, ask questions. What, what is this medication supposed to do for me? What can I expect by taking this routine very seriously? Now, you'll probably get a multitude of answers to that question, if any, that makes any sense at all, because nobody knows. Nobody knows how a medication is going to react until you take it. Now, there's a book called the DSM. Uh, Five, of course, that's the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, a.k.a. Mental Health Bible, that has diagnosis in it and also symptoms of said diagnosis. But come on, anytime you look at a mental disorder, you're going to find pretty much some of the same symptoms in each one, if not as close to it to where you can mimic them. But again, it depends on the individual, who you are, what you've been through, what triggers you, what causes your anxiety to know what is going to work for you. And if you haven't tried anything to help yourself, then I feel for you because that's the only thing you can do is try. You never know what's going to happen until you try. Well, getting back to the, the uh, hypnosis clinic. Again, he, the psychiatrist diagnosed or suggested you may be going through some anxiety. And I'll tell you, the medication that he prescribed, I don't think, I haven't heard of it. I don't think they even prescribe it or even make it anymore. 
It's called Booze Bar. And if any of you have taken it, you know exactly what I'm, I'm talking about. It did no good for me. That's what I can say. Now, as we are approaching and already in, you might as well say, the middle of the holiday season with Christmas just right around the corner, these are some things that you should take into consideration when it comes to the days yet to come. If you're going through anxiety, try your best to figure out in the best way you can where the worst is coming from, the catalyst, the kicker, the trigger, and talk to yourself in a way that you would talk to someone that you're trying to help. And if that doesn't work, do talk to someone, depending on how much you know about them and how much you feel that you can uh, go deeply into what your situation is and still come out with a respectable relationship is something that you need to take under consideration as well. Because even the people that you like the most, if they're not going through the same thing, I guarantee you they're not going to be able to understand totally exactly what you're going through. I don't want to get off too far. I like to keep these podcasts short uh, so that hopefully you will listen to the entire episode and maybe get something out of it that will help you. So we're going to hold this one right now. Anxiety, very difficult thing to deal with, but you've got to realize it's not a bad life. It's a bad situation that you're going through. You're having a bad day. And think about maybe uh, give this a thought. How did I feel prior to this? And if you were feeling on top of the world, what made you do that? And see if you can go back and grab that ball and grasp it in your hands and hold it and treasure it. Because you deserve, I don't care if you have bipolar, if you have schizophrenia, you deserve a wonderful life. And I hope that's what comes to pass. Anyway, as usual, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I like sharing some of the things that I've gone through because I find it and I have found it impossible for me to be the only one. And that's what gave me the idea of doing podcasts in, a, in order to share what I have learned about mental disorders, bipolar in particular. So I guess what my closing thoughts is that everybody be cognizant of what's going on in your life, who you're dealing with, what you're dealing with, what you're going through, and pull the good, pull the best out of all that. Let the crap go to the side of the road. You don't need it in your life. You really don't. So everybody try to have as happy a holiday season as you possibly can and take care. Remember, always take care. You're living with bipolar? Well, let's talk about it. And you too. I'll see you next time. And that's exactly what we'll do. Bye-bye.